Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello and welcome to the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. This is Casey McLean. Today's podcast features two stand-up comedians. They happen to be married to each other. They are named Rachel Afjay and Richie Afjay. Um, I think Richie started comedy a little bit before I did and Rachel a little bit after I did. And we talked a little bit about comedy, but one of the things we talked about is, or the primary focus of what we talked about is, um, Rachel has had four miscarriages. And so first off, if miscarriage is something that has touched you and you're sensitive about the topic, uh, Rachel's had multiple miscarriages and they've been tragic and and, uh, you know, really sad things in her life. But because we are comedians, we are imperfect vessels for compassion. So we made some jokes. We made some jokes, folks. So if you're if you're sensitive to that type of thing, I'm just letting you know this might not be the pod- podcast for you. Trigger warning, as the kids call it. Um, if you're sensitive that, to that kind of thing and have a good sense of humor, I think it's nice to hear... Rachel talk about her experience in a way that, um, you know, there's things that I didn't know about it. We, my wife and I have a child and there's so much about having a kid that you just don't even consider until you're actual, until you actually go through the process and then to go through a large chunk of that process to end with a miscarriage is like your greatest fear while you're going through it. And Rachel has had that that fear come true. So, again, um, we talked about it in a way that I hope was was sensitive enough for the the average person. But if it is something that you're specifically sensitive about, I would avoid this episode of the podcast. And that goes for men or women who uh, who are on any part of the experience spectrum i would say but it's very fun please follow uh richie and rachel rachel is at rachel laundry uh and richie is richie jf afj uh let's find out how afj is spelled that'd be good it's a tough it's a tough name to i'm trying to do it from a group chat and it's just not telling me a f l l e j e Rachel Laundry, Richie JFFJ. We talked about what the JF is for, by the way, at the end of the podcast. And then we talked about a little bit of comedy at the end. Also, I want to say this. Uh, we're recording this, this within a week, I believe, 
of the most recent abortion laws being passed in Texas. Not on purpose. Uh, this has been supposed to be recorded for months, and I've had to reschedule a couple times. My fault. And now we have the unfortunate backdrop of what are some of the most restrictive abortion laws in the country. So we did talk a little bit about pro-life versus pro-choice. And uh, I want to clarify a couple things because you're going to hear Rachel and I reference some statistics that I think we both got slightly wrong. I said that I think that over 50% of conservatives are in favor of some abortion. And I was wrong. It's uh, 35% basically in favor of some abortion and functionally the rest of them. Everybody else, 65% of conservatives or at least Republicans are against abortion. Um, another thing we talked about was the reason why women have abortions and Rachel thought that it was rare for people to, this is how I remember it too. I haven't, I actually haven't listened to the whole conversation, but she thought it was rare for people to get an abortion for anything other than um, potential medical peril for the mother or child. And that is not, uh, it's 12% are medical concerns about the the mom or the or the child so anyway none of these were presented in uh in bad faith it was just we both thought it was the stats were a little bit different i'm just saying that i want to i want to also say like my i said a thing that i do stand by which is that when i heard my daughter's heartbeat um and when i'm saying when i heard my daughter's heartbeat it changed my opinion to some degree on when life starts. <clears throat> I would say my, this is my belief. I'll just say my belief. It's a rare thing I would do in this circumstance. Also, I understand nobody in the world. There's a big movement to get men to shut the fuck up about this. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to say what my belief is. I also, I'm not, I don't subscribe. Men are half the voters. Um, men are half of the would be children. Like men do have a say in this. I think, what we should get the point we should get to is not that men can't have influence over laws like this, but that women are well represented among lawmakers. That's what we really want to get to. And I think that the idea of just men shutting up about it is inflammatory. And what it's really going to do is mean that the only men who are offering their opinion are men who you don't probably want to hear their opinion if you're pro-choice. So my opinion is it's not vastly different, but I think a life is a life. I think abortion should be illegal after there is a very high probability that a child would be viable outside of the womb, which I think is like 24, 25 weeks. To me, that seems like the absolute cutoff that makes sense for me. And by the way, Maybe not in Seattle. Maybe not the people listening to this podcast. I think we can all have a different opinion on this. That I do think that falls in line pretty closely with the majority. So I feel apprehensive saying that on here, but I don't think I'm that far off of the majority of men and women. Um, 
I also, there's a lot of this, well, we talked about it on the podcast. I don't need to get into that. All right. Please, if you're listening to this, I should have said this at the very beginning before a bunch of angry people turn this off. Please come see Gabriel Rutledge at Airport Tavern. I'm starting a weekly show at Airport Tavern in Tacoma. It's this really cool, small, intimate music venue that's letting me do comedy there once a week. Uh, it's really an awesome space. I'm very excited for it. There's only 40 seats available. Go to eventbrite.com. If you're listening to this podcast, when it comes out, it's today. Go to Eventbrite. I think I have ticket sales shut off. There's 17 bucks, uh, 20 bucks at the door. So please, please come on out. Otherwise, thank you for listening to this podcast. This is a, a bit of a serious one. I think it's very good, but it's a bit of a serious one. And uh, please, I will talk to you. I guess I'm not doing an outro on this, so I'll talk to you later. Please enjoy this podcast. Um, wow, we Maybe. really jumped. We're jumping right in. The dog is a. I've, I'm excited to have a dog. I never let my dog be in like the podcast room, and I always feel uh, guilty about it. And now oh. there's a dog that's just going to be the fourth microphone on the podcast. Yeah, it's honestly a little abusive that you don't let your dog mm-hmm. in. I. I think we're going to find out quickly why he doesn't do that, though. <laughs> no, you're right. It's a bad choice. <laughs> We've made a bad choice. <laughs> so I'm trying to do this at the beginning now because I always forget, and then at the end it's like uh, nobody's listening anymore. Mm-hmm. What uh, what do you guys have going on comedy-wise that you'd like to oh. plug? Uh, you want to go first? Yeah, we've got the Laughing Elk. Yeah, like you guys don't have the exact same plug. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we're different. We're doing totally different things. Don't even know this guy. Uh, we're doing the Laughing Elk at the McMinimins in Tacoma, in Spanish yeah. Ballroom, September fifteenth. Yeah. And also October thirteenth, and in November, December too. Um, and then I've got other stuff, but no one cares about that. Sure. <laughs> so I have all that as well, and uh, set. September 17th, which is a Friday, I will be on Minority Retort in Portland at the Siren Theater. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that's... Cool. I'm trying to get Minority Retort to come to the room in Tacoma that I'm booking. The Airport oh. Tavern, September 8th. Hell Gabriel yeah. Rutledge yeah. headlining. They have, they're uh, booked up, but I'm also crossing paths with him in uh, Montana in October, so... That's exciting. Um, Gabriel Rutledge is also headlining The Laughing Elk. What day? In October. Oh, thank God. He did, uh, <laughs> I couldn't even start advertising it because he was doing a show for free in Tacoma on like August 30th. And I'm like, shit, if I, if I advertise him for the, for my thing yeah. as a cover charge, I'm just giving all these people that know, that want to see him the opportunity to know that he's doing it for free. So you chump. Yeah. Um, all right. So the, I think another thing about this specific episode of the podcast is it's probably important to point out that we didn't know these Texas laws were going to pass. We were going to do this episode, this podcast like months ago. Yeah. And now we've uh, found like the most convenient time to be talking about. Rock it uh, now. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, did we. Um, yeah. Good thing uh, we had scheduling conflicts and stuff up until now because otherwise we wouldn't have had this. Perfect timing. Yeah, now our trauma is topical. Yeah. <laughs> How exciting. Um, okay, so you guys, the we'll get to it. You guys have had, uh, and I say, by the way, 
This is like I'm, there's some. Th- I gotta. I'm gonna have 75 qualifications during this because uh, yeah. I'm worried that comedians that already don't like me are gonna listen to this one. Mm. This will be the only episode of my podcast they ever listen to, and uh, they're gonna be like this fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you had you. I say you two, even though only one of you physically had a miscarriage. Yeah. As a he couple, he really you- was kind of a lazy shit about it. <laughs> yeah. <if> I'm being <laughs> honest. <laughs> well, you. I think you really. You remember the. Do you ever remember before you uh, were in a couple and you'd hear people be like, we are pregnant? And you're like, we? Yeah. What we, the fuck? We? No. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you're like going through it, it really is we. Yeah. It is like you're both emotionally attached to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, you've had multiple miscarriages. So many. This is why we're here. This is how you got on the podcast. <laughs> you, the credits you needed were uh, how many? Uh, we're at four. Right. Yeah. Four. Which some people would say it was too, it's it's complicated because some of them were two of them were so early that like some people wouldn't even count it and some people do and so you know we're just adding to the tab we're at four well I th- sorry oh, you were gonna say you uh, I was just gonna something. say a dumb joke we're working on Mambo number five now that's God. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it jeez wow a Lou Bega reference that'll really connect with the uh, um wow babe. My bad. That's all right. That's all right. This isn't meant to be. I mean, I hope that there's a couple things that have happened, I think, in the last couple of years. And I gl- I'm glad that you've talked about them publicly because yeah. I think that depression and miscarriages have become like a thing people are actually talking about now. Yeah. And I we didn't know until we started trying to have a kid how common miscarriages are. Like they are so common. Uh, and even like this is a, I'm a data guy, stats guy. Mm-hmm. Our doctor did a very bad job of representing the stats to us. So even, so they'd say like, don't tell anyone until you're 13 weeks into your pregnancy. Because at yeah. that point, there's this like a s- severe reduction in the odds of a miscarriage, right? Yeah. It goes from like maybe 25% to like, to like 2%. Three, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's very low. Well, our doctor was like, yeah, it cuts like in half. And I'm like, no, it's not in half. She's like, no, it is in half. I'm a doctor. And I'm like, no, you're a doctor, but you're very bad at math. Like, yeah. this is not... <laughs> Uh, also, I have beef with that whole, like, wait until you're 13 weeks thing, because the only reason they do that is for other people. So it's just so, like, if there's a miscarriage, nobody else has to know about it, right? Yeah. Like, if you don't tell anybody before you're in the safe zone, Well, you I, w- I want to say this it. about, because there's a certain part of this that's us being comics, where I, it's not just so that other people don't have to deal with it. It's also so that you don't have to have everyone know that that happened. Yeah, and like I you, think that's, you don't have to have everyone know you just experienced trauma. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's true. And I think that I didn't say tell anybody my first pregnancy. We went to eight weeks, and I didn't tell anybody because that was like the rule. And as soon as I had a miscarriage, I regretted it because I was like, "Oh, interesting." Now I have to like, and and I can't shut the fuck up. So maybe that's just a me thing. But like, <laughs> I was like, now I have to like tell everybody that I'm pregnant, and also that I'm not in the same breath. And so like, yeah, nobody got to see the like exciting part before it was like trauma dumping yeah well I, th- I think there's like a there's a thing so like this is my my wife and i obviously knew that we were pregnant and uh, we i was carrying a lot of the weight to be honest physically <laughs> before uh, and after yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but funny enough like the two comics that found out first are like manny martin um or no three comics manny martin mark Vieira, who no you guys probably don't even know who he is mm-hmm. uh He's a. I was working with him and Manny at Parlor, and uh, Robert Kelly, who's like a oh, great comic. Yeah. But uh, it was almost like like I like Manny, but we're not like close. Mm-hmm. And like the lack of closeness, I was like, 
this is all the shit I'm going through. I haven't told anyone yet. I know they're not going to tell anyone that I care about. Mark yeah. Vieira is not like yeah. calling the local newspapers yeah, or whatever. Sure. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, I, I get like both sides of it and it does suck that you didn't get to like share the joy with people. I yeah. can see that. And, but also like at the same time we had told people, like we had like told uh, people here or there and we started with those people that like, Oh, it doesn't matter if they know, like I just get to like get it off my chest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once we had our first appointment and we found yeah. out it was bad, we had to like, I like copy pasted a text message that was like, yeah. Hey, never mind. Like, and I had to like think of like, who have I told? Who have I not? And then that's when I got to the point where I was like, I'm just going to tell everyone because I yeah. get, like, this is like crazy. Well, I think more than anything, I think it's your choice, obviously. Yeah. Uh, your and I'm I'm by your. We're gonna get into some deep shit today. You as a couple, <laughs> it's your choice. But you know, yeah. I think uh, we have a, a a comic. I'm not gonna say his name, but his wife is pregnant with their second child. Mm-hmm. You might know. You might not. I know. Okay, so uh, I heard like very early on, like four weeks or something like that, which is almost too early. That's like about as early as you can find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like the test is still wet. <laughs> we, <Yeah>. just, no. <laughs> we just got done. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> they just fucked actually. <laughs> uh, like, I think wet. that was the one. But, it, but so he told me very early and then he didn't tell me, I didn't hear anything for like six weeks. And in that circumstance, you're like, again, yeah. you're like, I don't know. And then he's, everything's fine. All right. I know okay. it's very upsetting. I agree. Copper, right? Yes. All right. I know. I know exactly where you live. I know your dog's <laughs> name. I know the security code to shut down your camera. I know everything about. Um, yeah, I do think it's. It is like. It does. I. I have never thought about the part where you don't get to experience the joy of telling people. Yeah. Because the other thing is like, and tell me if you had this experience. I had this, and this is not like a nice thing. But when I before I we had a kid before we started trying. When I would hear people had miscarriages, I'm like, so fucking what? You didn't know that kid? Yeah. And yeah. then when you go through the process, it's like, oh, yeah, that's like you're just mourning. It yeah. is literal mourning, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I sobbed in the in the doctor's office. Um, yeah. he. I mean, in that moment, you cried more than I did. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah, what uh, was your opinion, though, on, like, what a miscarriage was before? Well, um... I don't know, I've kind of been an empathetic, emotional person for all my life. What, what Richie? Emotional? Comedy, no way. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> my my sister had uh, has had miscarriages before, too. So mm. I, not that I've been through it, because we're not that kind of family, but... Um, <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I've been around it. Um, but I actually didn't find out about her miscarriages until, like, years later uh, right yeah so i guess it's a, it's a more common thing that I, I thought and then and then we went through it too and um yeah. yeah well and i remember before like i knew that it was common but like i didn't realize how common it was because i no one i know had ever like told me that that had happened like every pregnant person i've ever known or a person who has a kid is like oh yeah you just have sex and you get pregnant and then you have a kid and so I And then you die. And then you die. <laughs> I had no like like concept of, of how big it was. Like mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, it's a miscarriage. I, I had no opinion on it. Uh and I was like worried Stop about it. it the whole time I was pregnant. But now that okay. that I've gone through it I realize like it's like emotionally painful and like physically fucking painful too. Really? Even the the early ones I've had at like four weeks, 
it feels like rug burn in your uterus. Like that's the best way oh I can God. describe it. It is so fucking painful. And for what? Like it's, yeah. So I just, I had no concept of like the gravity of, of it. Okay. So that's the first time hearing the, the rug burn part. That's I didn't, exactly what she's working like. material. Yeah. That's, that's, that's <laughs> no. we, are we riffing right now? <laughs> Do you think audiences want to hear that? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's exa- no. that's just what it feels like. Yeah, I think, I mean, like, so, for example, my mom had a, uh, between my sister and I, she had a miscarriage. She had a, what is it called, a tubal... Ectopic? Yeah, maybe. They call it, tubal ligation is in my mind, whatever oh, that oh, means. Oh, that's, that's like, like a, tying your tubes. If oh, the really? pregnancy is in the fallopian tube, it's ectopic. Okay, then it was that. Okay. Yeah, so it was like, uh, you know, she faced, well, I don't even understand the entire, like, prognosis of that, but mm-hmm. it was like, you gotta get this out, because... Yeah, it could rupture and you could bleed out and die. Right, and, uh... So, then they had my sister. Uh, you know, I could have hoped for a different sibling in the. You know, <laughs> we could have got one more in there. We yeah. could have got one more in there. I don't think I've actually thought about that. It's kind of interesting because um, I don't know how like butterfly effecty you all are, but I think about how much different my life would be if it was that sibling instead of my sister. Because mm-hmm. I don't think my parents were going to have three. Yeah. In fact, if my sister didn't go to term. That was it. Like it would have been, I would have been an only child, and I would have been even more selfish and so much weirder. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even yeah. homeschooled. Maybe, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> dude. My my parents. My dad uh, grew up like for his job. He would la- he would uh, launch boats into uh, like I think it's Roach Harbor on Orcas Island um, at one point. And it, so he's like a big boat guy, mm-hmm. and we didn't have like a boat for most of the time I was growing up. We had like a kind of shitty boat at one point, but. Um, he wanted to like sail the world and do like and have me and my sister like homeschooled on a boat. Can you imagine how yeah. fucked up I would be if I was homeschooled and then the home was a sailboat? Yeah, Dude, I would be yeah, an yeah. absolute rapist. There's no way around. There's no. Just a nightmare. Yeah. I was just gonna say insufferable, but all right. Yeah. I think those are synonyms. Yeah. Well, maybe one way, not both. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a there's a one Venn diagram. Yeah. The circle's completely inside yeah. the insufferable circle. But, yeah, um, there's not any, there's no rapist where you're like, yeah, but his personality's yeah. not so bad. You know? yeah. Actually, there's a there's also like um, I've thought about this in my life. I think I've there's like clinical psychopaths, real life psychopaths. You meet some of them. There's like one percent of the population's a clinical psychopath. You've met more than a hundred people. You've certainly met, but I feel like I would meet like one every three years before I did comedy and then in comedy it's like I meet like three every month three yeah. new ones every yeah. month you know I fully agree with you um, yeah what were we talking about I mean I know miscarriage we, that's, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> over. we won't yeah, shut up we about miscarriage about? Um, we were talking about oh butterfly effect butterfly. Yeah. so I think about how we almost bought a different house mm-hmm. and I'm like if we bought that house we would have a different dog and because we would have bought it earlier We'd have a different child because, like, the odds of that sperm happening yeah. twice, like, it would be a different kid, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we wouldn't know any different, but. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and my mom had a miscarriage, too, between. I mean, I was the last one. So before I was born. Uh, so I also would not be here without that, too. But I think about that a lot, too. Like, if, if we hadn't had our first miscarriage, we would have a six month old right now. Yeah. And then now it's like every. You know, you, I start to lose track after the uh. second, third, and fourth. But it's like, where would we be? Where would we be? It's freaking wild. 
Yeah, I mean, your life would be different. I think there's like... Um, we wouldn't be on your podcast, that's for sure. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, man, fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, you just have a fucking six-month-old <laughs> kid? Who gives a shit? Kids, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you about my kid who <laughs> won't shut up. <laughs> this first six months, very... Let me tell you about our dog who won't shut up. Actually, he's being pretty quiet right now. Oh, he's yeah, he's doing it. Is it a she or a he? He. Okay, that's what I thought. You didn't see that? Never mind. I did not look at his penis. I will later. I promise. <laughs> I will. Uh, the red rocket almost touched the recording equipment. So. No, it did not. <laughs> it almost did. No, it did not. Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, boy. <laughs> um, actually, I think I got one of you low. Anyway, uh, I am curious about, so you talk about the, like, gravity. Yeah. And... So I've grown up like fairly liberal, um, but I will say, I when I heard my daughter's heartbeat for the first time, and I know the heartbeat is like, like it was literal heartbeat, not yeah, like yeah. the six week shit. Uh, my like truly my view on everything shifted. Yeah. Where I was like, and it's the same thing with miscarriages. Where like when you have a kid, or when you're going through the process of having a kid. Uh, your view on like the gravity of a miscarriage changes mm-hmm. a lot. Like mm-hmm. it becomes a tragedy, not just like a fucking, you know, you're like, you think of it like as like an appendectomy almost. Yeah. Before, where you're like, yeah. nobody misses their appendix. Yeah. And then yeah. when you're actually going through the process and especially by the way, when you want to go through the process. Yes. Yeah. That's uh, the key part right there. <laughs> I think it's a key part, but I do think it is like, uh, I think it's worth considering that a lot of the people who, uh, are pro-life have felt the gravity, right? Yes, yes. And I think that that's like, like maybe like a, a narcissistic thing maybe of like, I felt this way so everybody should feel this way, mm-hmm. um, which I've learned a lot through this process is also not true and, and like separating my experience from everybody else's because if I didn't, I would like explode because like I've had friends who have started trying after we started trying, had a baby and like fully are just like parents now since we started and so if i constantly was like comparing my experience to theirs i would be a fucking miserable person like it would be horrible and so like understanding that like yes i want to be pregnant and when i lost you know our pregnancy at eight weeks it was traumatizing but for some people that happens and they're like oh thank god like because i mean it's a big deal and even the eight weeks of pregnancy i went through was hard like Mm -hmm. i was like like i didn't feel good like just physically exhausting and like the anxiety was crazy yeah my feet hurt all the time (laughs) yeah from carrying this family (laughs) well because so to me i think that like the one of the things we have in this country right now is like a a lot of people with extreme opinions and by the way like i think comedians are the worst people to present an opinion on something like this yes uh but we have people like doing you know putting extreme opinions out on they're like uh I saw something recently. By the way, this very well could be something that you've retweeted, so I'm not trying to <laughs> confront you about anything. Uh, but it's, More Twitter beef. Yeah, it'll be like, oh, that was, by the way, very fun. Very the, fun. <laughs> people don't understand sarcasm on Twitter quite often. Yeah. Well, um, I think, too, whenever I like poke fun specifically at like male comedians online, people automatically assume I'm trying to like cancel them and they get it's very funny right. to watch people like jump to your defense when I was like oh yeah, I don't even know who that guy was we're by the way, but not I do love him. actually I do fighting love with each other <laughs> <laughs> well yeah so I think one of the things is I will you know a lot of comedians will put a joke out or an opinion out that's intentionally inflammatory yes it's uh 
like I've heard this thing. It's it's more funny to say fuck vanilla than I prefer chocolate. Yes. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. But people are like, they'll put up a big thing and they're like, it was never about, uh, you know, children. It's always been about controlling women, which is a very bad faith interpretation of what other people are feeling, which mm-hmm. is also the the other bad faith interpretation is when people are like, they just want to kill babies, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. they yeah. just don't care about. So I think my, what I'm saying ultimately is I think I became more pro-life going through this process. Now, I'm not pro-life. I'll but beat I went your ass like, right now. <laughs> 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 I, but I do think I was like, I was like uh, more, I think at that point when I heard my daughter's uh, heartbeat, I was like, this is a life in my mind. Yeah. yeah. And I'm I pro think, this life. I'm pro this life. <laughs> and I think that's a lot of context too, but I, I would also like ask you, like, you also understand the gravity intensity of like being a parent, right? For sure. And like doing that when you don't want to and doing that like without a choice. Yeah. Whoa, that's bad. That, that could get bad. Well, yeah, quick. and I, I think this is the other thing, too, is we love to simplify stuff. Because I think that, like, there's, you start, like, going this, like, tennis match of, like, well, what about adoption? But then it's, like, adoption. That's expensive. Incredibly expensive. So and expensive. it's hard to We've do. We've looked into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I have a friend who's, like, he makes 250 grand a year. He uh, has a child. He has, a, actually, an autistic child. Actually, mm-hmm. and I should say this. We're not friends anymore. At one time, we were <laughs> Is it because of the kid? I, I will not be around autistic children. <laughs> okay, okay. Just I refuse to be around autistic <laughs> children. Um, no, he, uh, he's like a very good parent, though. I will give him that. He's not a very good friend, very good parent. Mm-hmm. And because he went through like a 12-step program for alcohol, uh, they won't, you cannot adopt a child. You could be Whoa. a severe alcoholic and birth a child and fuck that kid up. Yeah. But because you went through a 12-step program. Help. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. the, the, the like, certainly, like, the infrastructure isn't there to for, like, this, like, idea that adoption's this simple process or yeah. easy decision or yeah. whatever. Yeah, like the solution. Good thing I kicked alcohol on my own. Jeez. I didn't yeah. I didn't know that. See, but well, I'm, 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 this podcast is now record of you <laughs> formerly drink. You drank one drop of alcohol, you can't well, We're never going to have a kid. But I think also people, like, people offer up adoption as, like, the, the counter argument or the cure for abortions. But I think they also do that for infertility. Like, oh, you can't have a kid, just adopt. And it's such a, not only is it so expensive, but it's also such a different thing. Like, right, yeah. we're not, if, if we adopted a kid, we're not adopting a kid to, like, you know, check our box of like, Oh, we're parents now. Like we're sharing that child with whoever, like whatever trauma circumstances they came from. Like, it's not just like our kid, like the goal of adoption is more to like, you know, serve and support that child and that family more so than like fixing, you know, infertility or fixing abortion or, you know. Right. So I guess my thing is like, I think that it's somewhere between, it's certainly difficult to, uh, raise a kid i can attest this is maybe i've picked like the worst possible time to have a toddler uh, my <laughs> wife and i have uh especially we've been through by the way like we're on our fourth daycare because they keep closing we're oh, being uh, neglectful to the point that we have to stop going there like yeah. they're uh oh. that's only one of them um so we're on our fourth daycare but we've had like several months stretches with no daycare and both of us working full time i certainly understand that and i also by the way like uh, birth control period has played oh. any, such an enormous role in like the advancement of women yeah. in this country that there's there's like 
some realities we have to face about like who and why this is benefiting people, right? Yeah. Even if we had like free childcare, how much would that affect the advancement of women? Yeah. Or free medical care. Like my right. miscarriages have cost me almost a thousand dollars at this point. Like Yeah. That's kind of actually kind of a bargain. If at two fifty a piece, that's quite a deal. I mean, I'm. Saying. Are you buying them in like a family pack? Yeah, yeah, Costco. You can actually yeah. buy them at Costco. <laughs> like, you, have, you get like a, it's like a one of those black, those big cardboard sheets, and it's like yeah. four abortions yeah, for the. Buy four, five. get one free. It's right before you hit the diaper section. Yeah. <laughs> that's, so funny. that's incredible. Wow. Uh, well, I think actually, that should go into one of your acts. Technically, the the medical term abortion is just like the the terminating of a pregnancy. Right. So all of my paperwork for our first miscarriage did say abortion on it oh, because wow. um, my body didn't do it itself. Like we, Your body's very pro-choice. I know. My body is <laughs> like, I'm hanging on by the last thread here. I forget who said it, but uh, someone recently said that... Um, miscarriages are just god aborting your baby yeah i mean pretty much (laughs) but but i had to take the abortion pill um to like induce it because my body was not doing it and if it stays and like not growing wow that is really dramatic yeah i don't know if they'll be able to hear uh, that but that's a that's the police coming to arrest me for my (laughs) abortion pill i had to take uh yeah but like you can get like an infection and and all sorts of like horrible things can happen if you don't like pass the the material that's not growing yeah i think the other thing about uh well i actually i do want to i want to represent one side of this because i don't agree with the folks but i do think people are not viewing it as like uh there is like a negative consequence to the like they think there's a baby dying right yeah yeah and i don't think that they're completely wrong (laughs) you know what i mean like that's i don't think that's zero percent a baby right like yeah, I that's why I think we could use compassion on this thing, on this whole like in the world, and uh, even most conservatives are like pro first trimester abortions, maybe not most, but a huge chunk. Yeah, I think yeah. I actually think it is the. Majority, but I also but think I it's it's like a myth that women are making it to the second trimester or the third trimester and just deciding like I don't want this baby anymore. I I don't think that's actually what happens, because what happens is. If, if they're waiting that long to get an abortion, it's either they lacked access to medical care that they needed earlier in the pregnancy, right. or like I have a friend who um, ha- found out really like halfway through the pregnancy that there was their, their baby was incompatible with life. And so you either carry it to term or <clears throat> you terminate. Yeah. Well, and I think. Which is, oh, what a horrible situation to be put in. Yeah, because at that point you've like already picked out cribs and shit maybe yeah yeah and then you well and then and then then she gave me all of that stuff for that baby because i was pregnant oh and then it was like oh i didn't i forgot about that part yep it's in the shed now i think those (laughs) exceptions are like less arguable also right like i think even most conservatives are in favor of like in the case of rape but i think i think that that's a myth though like i think that people i don't think that's the exception i think that's like most of the time what's happening i don't i i couldn't imagine a situation where a woman is just like waking up one morning like never mind i don't want to do this i get yeah i get the fact that you couldn't imagine it and i i'm certain that it happens less often than conservatives want to think right yeah uh severely less often but i do think there's like 
I'm not saying it's even frivolous because I also think the gravity of those, the gravity is the gravity. So it's, it's the reason why it's like difficult to have a miscarriage is the same reason it's difficult to choose to have an abortion. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the same reason. Sometimes it's not though. Sometimes it's an easy choice. Sure. For women. I'm just. (laughs) (laughs) And I think in some cases that is like, because some of that is like, again, when we're talking about comedians, because we've seen a lot of comedians sharing stories. Yeah. And it's like, again, these are potential psychopaths that are like, yeah. they're all these, these men and women are potential psychopaths who, uh, we should all be suspicious of comedians specifically. Yes. But when we talk about like <laughs> a mainstream person who isn't going to, uh, I'm like, uh, friends with a woman who put out like a big, long story and it's like, her career very much benefited from, and I think that's, again, this is like, we've created a society where having kids fucks women over. It's true. And, uh, of course it fucks men over too, but not as badly on yeah. average. You know, yeah. I'm sure yeah. there's anecdotes of dudes becoming stay-at-home dads and losing their careers or of mm-hmm. them having to, uh, but on average overall, women take the brunt of the the detriment of children yes um all right i don't know what the i was headed down a path and then i lost it i've lost the path <laughs> it's probably for the best uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about like, oh here's a, another thing that i think is interesting is people will talk about how like i saw this thing where it was like i blame white women in texas for this which mm-hmm. is White women really uh, are going to... I think it's going to continue to get worse for white women for a couple of years because you've, yeah. you've had it too well for too long. I mean, we've <laughs> done it to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Don't kick it. It's gonna... I was trying but to get it away from us. I think a, another dishonest thing is that uh, people never actually examine that because uh, black liberals mm-hmm. are way more pro-life than white liberals in polling. Huh. Like way more. Also way more religious. Yeah. Yeah. Way more conservative overall than white liberals. Hmm. Huh. I have not heard that. But I, th- I think about, like, in general, white culture. Can I even say that? Is that even a thing? But, like, the, the middle class, like, white culture is very individualistic. Like, very much like, I worry about me. I do what I need to do. I take care of myself. Uh, and, and in communities of color, it's a lot more, like collectivist a lot more like i take care of my people like i'm really worried about my community and my family and so it almost um i mean maybe there i can draw a line yeah and now i feel you guys looking at me for the person of color's perspective i Um, I mean (laughs) i would like to let you know that i just consider you white so (laughs) (laughs) and i consider you no i'm not gonna And I consider you the reason my dad left. I, mean, oh. I, I think it is, <laughs> to me, I think it's like everybody is. I think none, nobody's monolithic. So the yes. so the like. Uh, I think there's certainly uh, there is an individualist thing among white Americans for yeah. sure. I think that if you're just saying white, like European immigrants are very community oriented mm-hmm. on average, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Some might argue too much in certain yeah. neighborhoods. Well, and that's the thing. I think you're never... allowed to say that, right? I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> Ukrainians? Is that... I don't, I don't actually don't. I had Ukrainian friends in high school. Yeah, there's never a single story for any 
thing for any person, any group, anything. And I also think that that's important to remember that like people are going to believe what they believe and they're going to do what they do. And, and the, the issue is when you start pushing that on other people, like I believe this, mm-hmm. I feel this way. So we're going to make legislation that says right. everybody has to behave in a way that they would yeah. if they believed the same thing I believe. Right. Well, and I think there's a thing where it's like, we all agree that murder's wrong. Let's start with that. We all agree that murder's wrong. We might not agree on what is a murder and what isn't a murder. <laughs> okay. But yeah. murder specifically is wrong, right? Sure. Sure. Yeah. And then... That's where you're getting at. Yeah, I think the debate is... To me, that's the thing is like where the debate gets hazy because everyone wants to portray the other person's opinion as they are this and not something more complex, right? Mm-hmm. Conservatives, the same... They'll, you always see that shit that's like the same people that say this, say this, and it's like, well... Most of those people don't even agree. Yeah. Um, Like the the thing where it's people are like, uh, my body, my choice. What happened to my body, my choice? Conservatives are saying that a bunch, right? And then they're like, well, you didn't care about with this. And it's like, you're both being hypocritical. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've seen that too with like the mask and then the abortion thing of like my body, my choice. But it's different. Or the vaccine more than the... Yeah. yeah. I think that is like a false equivalency and like a false argument because... I mean, well, the mask is certainly a false one. Yeah, the vaccine is—I have a little more empathy for. Yeah, yeah, because it is fair. a medicine. Yeah, I think I think, like, me getting an abortion isn't going to like kill your grandma. <laughs> you know, which is kind of like the obvious. Yeah, so we should—I do want to not talk dwell on abortion too much. Yeah, because, me neither. Uh, I think it's not really the point of what we're talking about, but um, yeah. I do think there's a thing where it's like, there's nothing magic about the birth canal. You know what I mean? That, I mean, I've found magic in there. Don't get me wrong. I was going to say, uh, you're missing out, dude. (laughs) But, uh, I'm using the wrong wand, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Good lord. Goddamn. You should do comedy. Um, Thanks. I'll consider it. Yeah. I, I, I think that thing, like, just the idea that people are like out to control women and they don't have some like at least some positive intention maybe misguided yeah it's, 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 it's super intent easy versus impact it's super easy to just the the easiest thing in the world to do is just point is to just assign evil to the people you disagree with right so to go mm-hmm. like these liberals just want to they just want eugenics they don't mm-hmm. want like they want to be able to basically just like genetically engineer their children yeah uh because that's like because i'm like i've thought about this too in the same way as like when my daughter had a heartbeat did it feel like life yes but if they would have told us she has down syndrome i don't think every person with down syndrome should be thrown off a cliff yeah but we probably would have fucking aborted you know like yeah and so like squaring that shit up morally for myself yeah. is difficult which is that's why I have well and that's the complexity of it right like yeah. like all of these decisions like so just like you said like nobody is making that decision without considering their circumstances and their yeah. beliefs and what they feel you know it's it's never an easy choice and I mean there have been times too like when I was in college where I had a scare and, yeah. and I would have gotten an abortion if I was pregnant and and I think about that too especially with like approaching 30 no children and having fertility issues like 
I should have had kids sooner. But then I think about it. Like I was dating shitty, shitty fucking people when I was in college. I didn't have a job. I didn't have insurance. I didn't have like, I own a home now. I didn't have any of those things. Yeah. And I would have screwed myself over completely. Yeah, I mean, in a way, I'm sure it's not like you would have never had joy. You'd have had different joys. Right? I would have, I would have stayed in the poverty cycle that my family has been in. Right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to, like, get out of it the way that I did. Um, you're also from a. You came from a church, right? <laughs> I came from my mom. Uh, <laughs> I just crawled I, so out of the church. Actually, <laughs> I had this interesting experience this uh, couple weekends ago because I was uh, I went on a thirtieth birthday with a bunch of uh, teachers. Uh-huh. My wife's best friend is a teacher, and there was like a bunch of teachers there. But there all there were also like a bunch of uh, like kind of former Christians. Mm-hmm. I've never had religion. I've like my parents were very uh, indifferent about religion. Yeah. I, w- I call myself culturally Christian. Like, we celebrate Christmas, but mm-hmm. I believe in Santa more than I believe in Jesus, you know? Beautiful. <laughs> um, That's good. And I kind of feel like that has made... I'm just allowed to look at the world as it comes to me and not, like, have to filter it through the lens of religion. Yeah. Did you have religion growing up? Um, you do a show in a church. That's the only I, reason I think this. I did. I wasn't, like, super religious for very long uh once i went to college i mean i i really started to to struggle with that when i was in like graduating high school going to college because i got into plu which is like a christian college a lutheran college and i got into the evergreen state college which is known for lighting a cop car on fire and pushing it over at a protest (laughs) so it was really like i was like if i go to evergreen am i gonna go to hell and then once i got there i was like that's crazy. Like yeah. I, I really kind of re-examined all of the, the weird guilt I had and the beliefs that I had, and um, that's when I kind of like separated myself from it. Um, but it wasn't. It wasn't. I wasn't like crazy super religious. But I definitely there were a couple of years there where, where I was considering writing letters to the White House to stop abortions. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I think I think this thing that I noticed with those people uh, at this party. Or at this, you know, 30th birthday vacation thing. And I've noticed it in my life because I've, I mean, there's a lot of Christians around, right? Is that, and I had the same experience, but I became an, like a true atheist at like seven years old, which is maybe uh, unhealthy almost. It's like an almost unhealthy age. It's to like, be damn, like, kid, you're there's dark. no fucking magic in the world. <laughs> uh, but I was like militantly atheist for like till I was maybe 18 or 20. And now I just don't give a fuck anymore. You know what I mean? Like the, mm-hmm. I'm fine with Christians. I my life is much, uh, my life looks more like my Christian friends' lives than most of my atheist friends' lives. These people living in sin and apartments with you know many people, many carpet single, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Ew. <laughs> we have carpet in our house now. Gross. Uh, I feel like a sinner. You are. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think like what I've noticed is. Sometimes people, as they lose their religion, become like they overcompensate for what they believe and maybe accurate. They're they're so used to repenting that they're just repenting for the sins of religion. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think that's you at all? No. At no point? No. No, I don't think so. Uh, I I had a little bit of that, I think, because I grew up Catholic um, and I started to like question it 
even in, in junior high. And then I never got confirmed or anything. And then like good Catholics, we just stopped going to church. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, so I think that contributed to that too. And then I had like a, an edgelord phase where I just like went the other way with it. Um, like I think all boys do have at least one edgelord phase that may or may not last into adulthood. But one what death. phase? Edgelord. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, right. Well, Just, but uh, there's a thing that's funny about the term edgelord because <laughs> the people who are Catholics are now the edgelords. Yeah, it's, yeah. isn't that like odd that that's what that's becoming? Yeah. It used to be edgy to be atheist. Yeah, and now it's edgy to be religious. Yeah, yeah like comedy. A, like we're talking about comedy. Basically. Yeah, we hang out with shitty people. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think for me I ever like really held on to like the guilt of of religion or anything. If if anything, I think like my personal beliefs and morals have have kind of stayed in the same spot because when I was like religious, it was like oh I care about people and I want people to be safe and I want people to be saved or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and and through my college education and and through just like growth as a human my morals have stayed there like i still like care about people and i want people to be safe and i want people to be like happy and have the rights that they want um it just looks different because now it's like when people are when people are behaving in a way that's like taking human rights away from someone else or like harming someone else or putting someone else in a situation that they can't get out of that's when I have a problem, mm-hmm. right? That's the devil. <laughs> yeah. I, I think like the closest I had to like, a, a like religious thing to repent for is I was a high school libertarian, like many people. Oh God. I'm so and, uh, sorry. But the, so I think this is like a thing. Libertarianism became like this weird, like I think most of the quote unquote alt right would probably actually identify as libertarian most of the quote-unquote alt-right is like left of the right they're just mm-hmm. like or what's that called you, this is like very uh no one's gonna if anyone listens to this six months from now this term isn't gonna mean anything but it's like the scumbag left have you ever heard of that is it the scumbag I, left I, I dirtbag left anyway i was a libertarian and then you start to think about like the circumstances that people don't have control over right they're mm-hmm. born to poor families because there's certainly when you're in high school you're like uh like looking at the world as like um i can go like become something yeah and i don't want anyone stopping me from becoming something and then you meet people who've come from worse circumstances than you did i worked manual labor for 10 years uh as i was like going through college and then uh not graduating college and so i've met like I used to work with like straight up fucking convicts, right? And I'm like, Hell yeah. you came from a horrible <laughs> upbringing and it's not your fault that you ended up like you and I have the same job. You're going to be there forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is a stepping stone for me. This is where you live. Yes. Yes. And so uh, I think that was like a shift for me. And then like also the reality for me, like the welfare thing, which is I feel like we don't even talk about welfare anymore, but uh Welfare used to be like this big topic, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, yeah, these kids are just like the kids the the that are born to these families, like they didn't do anything to deserve yeah. poverty, right? And yeah. like true poverty. I don't want to I don't want to uh like when you say cycle of poverty, can you tell me what you mean by that? Yeah, we 
I mean, growing up, we always had food stamps. We moved from apartment to apartment every year because they raised the rent. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were times when I had to walk like two miles to school because I couldn't afford the city bus. What city Uh, did you grow up in? University Place, Tacoma. Um, and so we, we moved from apartment to apartment. I lived in every apartment complex in university place so I could stay in those schools. Um, and then there was a time where we moved to Tacoma. And so I had to walk from 56th street all the way to the junior high that I went to because my mom couldn't drive me cause she had to go to work. Mm-hmm. I couldn't afford this. I didn't have 75 cents for the city bus. Um, and then it was, so at that point you were, the reason you couldn't take a uh, school buses because you were out of district. I was out of district but we right. were lying about the address so that sure, I could stay at my school um yeah so, so we, were you like I can I uh, do you actually mean like you were living below the poverty line oh significantly yeah that's like 20 like, grand in income for a family there was there was when I filled out FAFSA my senior year my mother had made sixteen thousand dollars the year before so I think maybe I'm remembering that wrong but it, it was bad. Like, I couldn't afford school clothes. My grandparents had to buy my school clothes. Uh, we had, like, pizzas at school where, like, oh, we're doing a pizza lunch. Pay a dollar for pizza. I didn't have a dollar for pizza. Like, right. free lunch. I never got yearbooks. I didn't get the, like, school switch. All of that stuff. Yeah. We couldn't afford it. Like, don't even ask. From the time I was 16 and I got my first job, I was buying my own shampoo. I was buying my own toothpaste. Like, yeah. like poverty yeah that's like a that's like a great example of what i'm talking about where it's like you didn't obviously do anything to like deserve to live worse yeah also um imagine like imagine even just like if your grandparents didn't have oh my god you know what i mean yeah they bailed me out so many times with like fixing my car when it was broken so I could still get to work in school and like buying my school clothes so I had something to wear if if they weren't there supporting me and these are the grandparents of my father who walked out when I was like eight so they they didn't have to be there but they were um I wouldn't be here there's there's no way that I would be owning a home I wouldn't have finished college like there were so many points where like if I can't get two hundred dollars to fix this I can't go to class anymore and I'm dropping out of college and and they swooped in and and were my lifeline yeah yeah i mean and i think like i mean i grew up with uh maybe slightly less we when my parents got divorced like they were both like just living over their means uh neither one of them made very much money i said boat earlier and i want to make it clear (laughs) this was not it it always makes it sound much more like my life was much more bougie than it was it was not there was uh just a drunk guy driving us around in a boat named my dad uh, he, <laughs> named my dad. Yeah, he, uh, um yeah and then i lived with my mom for the whole time after that and my uh the uh yeah she was like you know struggling to make ends meet uh i don't i mean there was i'm sure child support and there was she made mm-hmm. she made more than your fucking mom but the, <laughs> I don't, not by much i mean not by that Rich much case. right like the, uh and yeah, like it was again. It's that like sacrifice to keep you in. I was in a decent school district, same. and like you know, you fight to keep your kid in that same school district. And I had, um, like my you know, I had some my aunt and uncle who aren't even aunt and uncle, uh, like co-signed a personal loan so I could buy a car. Um, the my mom got a house or like a car repossessed while we were. Yeah. Uh, while we were kids, and I'm seeing the dog's dick right now, by the way. Yeah, he is a <laughs> boy. Honestly, not 
It's impressive. not that impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that impressive. When you brought it up, I was like, I want to see an impressive hog on this dog. No, and, he's uh, mostly just fat. Yeah, I can relate. <laughs> if you lose a couple pounds, you gain a couple inches there, copper. Um, you can at least see it better. I don't want to see it. You're perfect the way you are, cops. When when you guys had your first miscarriage, were you? This is like a very kind of like I know personal question. Were were you actually trying to have a kid? Yeah. Yeah. So I got off birth control in November of 2019. And that was that was the point where it's like our wedding is in April, so like if it happens, we'll be okay. How did that go, by the way? That went without without a hitch. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, totally. <laughs> Everyone came. April, it was what fun. Year? We danced. What year was it? April tenth, twenty twenty. Yeah, super great. Two hundred people. Yeah. So, yeah. so much. Very fun. memorable party uh, for a lot of yeah. people. Definitely happened. Most didn't get noteworthy canceled. thing of two thousand twenty. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> definitely went exactly the way we planned it. Uh, but yeah, so we, I got off birth control in November, 2019 and I was like, Oh, I might get pregnant before the wedding jokes on me. Um, and we started trying, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's God smiting you. Did you ever yeah. think about that for Yeah, I did make a sex? lot of dead baby jokes in middle school. So oh, I think yeah. maybe this is karma, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we started trying in March, right when we got married and then we got pregnant in June mm-hmm. and then we had a miscarriage and then it took another eight months until march of 2021 before we got pregnant again mm-hmm. and then it was like june we were pregnant and then july we were pregnant yeah. so it was it was like nothing for a long time and then just like lost 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 yeah uh yeah that's tough i um i think a lot of people i wonder how many people have miscarriages like you said where they're just like thrilled like the, yeah. like fucking thank god because i uh yeah we were the frustration of it took us six months to get pregnant. Um, and that's even every one of those is tough, right? Like you've had the, that also, right? Yeah. 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 Cause there was like eight months between where we tried everything. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you want to get into the go, go for it. Like she put her, put her legs up after we do it. And then, <laughs> uh, Sorry, uh, mom, if you're listening. Yeah, <laughs> they're married. I the I don't, I don't remember the other stuff. The legs up is the most significant. Yeah, one for me. I was doing like they say, like oh, put in a menstrual disc after, and it'll hold everything in there, and then you'll for sure get pregnant. Is that and a diva cup? Is like that- a di- like a diva cup, but there's ones that are like um, the disc, so it's not. It's more like a like a force field than a cup. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so, like a, it's like a, ironically a manhole to cover, yeah, exactly, <laughs> to cover exactly. your woman. You put a lid on it. It'll hold everything in there. Uh, so we tried that. And then that. it comes out as a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> There's nothing good that I'm going to say now. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, like, a, like a dismembered Foot Clan member. I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah, no yeah. good. Please cut this out. Uh, uh. <laughs> Notes to the editor. <laughs> um, yeah, so we did that. I took right, every vitamin known to man. You know, they're like, oh, drink this tea. Oh, take this pill. You know, yeah. none of it worked. Hey. Copper Evelyn, do you need to go to bed? M- middle name Evelyn? Yeah, that's the only one I know. That's it, the only middle name you know. It's, yeah, it's, just, it's also my middle it's name. It's just a funny. Oh, really? We <laughs> yeah. we came. Very, I'm not. I know. I don't say my daughter's name on the podcast. Right. But we came very close to naming her Evelyn. Whoa! Yeah, that's that would have cool. been weird. After you, actually. Yeah, that's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> not after the dog. <laughs> um, are you? And I know this is like painful and uncertain. But are you planning on trying more? Um, yes. 
Yeah. So, I mean, because of our situation, like, if you don't get pregnant after a year, they're like, take this medication and you'll ovulate and you'll get pregnant. But that's not our problem. Like, we can get pregnant. We can't stay pregnant. And so my doctor has said, like, your options are keep doing what you're doing and just, like, hope something sticks. Like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Yeah. Um, Or do IVF with genetic testing. You should should quit coming spaghetti is what I would (laughs) (laughs) Why is it so solid? That's quite a a visual of just spaghetti shooting out of Richie's penis. Um, Uh, Yeah. I only have two meatballs. So sorry, I I cut you off for the cheap joke. Yeah, it's okay. We We have to bring levity to this thing before. We either keep doing what we're doing and just have more losses until one of them isn't a loss. Or we do IVF with genetic testing, which is $30,000 for one month to try. Um, And it's like a 60% success rate. And then also with my miscarriage past, like, there's no guarantee that it would be, you know, a success anyways. Right. Uh, Well, yeah, like you said, isn't the the IVF things mostly for uh, uh, conception, not for... Yeah. Well, and and the thing that, that it would do is it we could make sure that the embryo is genetically normal. Gotcha. So an issue so that happens with, with miscarriages All is right, dog. sometimes it's not a genetically normal embryo. And so that's why. Yeah. So we could make sure that it was genetically normal. That's basically all. Yeah. He's a, uh, I think he doesn't want a sibling. I think is what he's saying. Yeah. Right <laughs> he's like, I am the baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, that yeah, thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, is so, so we're like, kind of just chilling where we're at, and then, I mean, adoption is just as expensive, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. foster care is free, but foster care is complicated, and it's, For sure. it's not a solution because the goal of foster care is reunification with the family. It's not right. Well, I think foster care is too. even like. Uh, a revenue generator for some people, unfortunately. Yes. Yes. I mean, unfortunately and fortunately, right? You have to put incentives in yeah. Yeah. for yeah. people to want to do that um, beyond their own altruism. But Definitely. Yeah. Uh, we got a... He's he protesting the podcast. He goes, I heard <laughs> he's like, all right, wrap it these up. These Texas laws, are, <laughs> I'm mad about them. I'm a beagle? He is a beagle. Slash... Basset Hound? He's a big beagle. That's that's what I I thought because his legs are kind of stumpy and he's bigger than a beagle is supposed to be. Yeah, I uh, I will say my uh, uncle had a beagle that was bigger than a beagle supposed to be. Yeah, and uh, that was because that ate more than a beagle supposed to eat. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I think there might you could there's could be some basset hound in here that I think the ears are maybe long. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm talking about your weight. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, my my uncle had this beagle that had uh, its stomach would rub against the ground the whole time. Oh. It, was, it was like an eighty pound beagle, uh, which I now I'm like, how much does he weigh? So I'm not insulting him. He's, his, like, he's like fifty, yeah, okay, three. Yeah, I think 54. I think my uncle's was eighty six pounds. Beagles Ooh. are supposed to be twenty five pounds, right? <laughs> right, but they're also like the kind of dog that will just eat anything yep. that you give it, and will eat until it's done. Yes. Eating. Or until the, and then, sorry, until the food is gone. Yeah. yeah. And and then he'll puke on the floor. Yes. And then he'll cry that he's hungry because he just puked. Yeah. Yes. Um, you got to stop. All right. So there, because you always hear these people, and it, it always just feels like uh, over, like you're kind of like deflecting. But when people mm-hmm. are like, well, if we don't have kids, we'll just travel the world. And then I've yeah. meet those people, and they're like, like, you stay in fucking Washington State. Most yeah. Of you. You, yeah. Yeah. You're not traveling the world. I'm not a big travel person. Anyways, I don't know if that's that's my hot take. That's an unpopular opinion. <laughs> you think travel sucks? It's a, it's exhausting. It is exhausting. I will give you that. And maybe that's the poverty in me that's like, 
I'm too poor for this, so I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have the very opposite poverty response, which is, uh, like, I'm now, like, I can afford to save myself a couple hours, and time is the most valuable thing to me, which is, uh, that's a, by the way, that is maybe the most privileged thing ever, is time is the most valuable thing. Yeah. Uh, And I'm, like, we're, whatever the thing is, we're getting an Uber instead of walking, we're, uh, you don't like that beer? Throw it away. We'll get a different one. You know, you deserve it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm drinking that beer, but the, my, like, for my wife or yeah. whatever, it's like I can. My can wife afford, or whatever. Yeah. We can afford is. to yeah that broad. Uh, by the way, my wife decided that uh, I said that dude is a genderless term, and she said that she should be able to call me a broad. Then yeah, so she calls me a broad. I love that. Um, I love that a lot, actually. Yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, we didn't cry, which yeah. is disappointing. It could have been the first crying on the podcast. Damn oh, it. my bad. That's usually my job. Yeah. Come on. Say something profound. And what do you, how do you feel about it, Richie? Because you're like, I'm uh, What I want to hear a man's opinion on miscarriage. Please. <laughs> Can we please? What have the a world needs. <laughs> By the way, I have this joke. I want to complain about a joke. Okay. I have a joke where I say. My wife went into labor. It was very stressful for us. And then I say it was probably more stressful for her than me, but I'm here with a microphone, so I'm going to tell you the very coveted (laughs) male side of child delivery. And literally no crowd has ever laughed except for (laughs) Northwest Peaks in Seattle, like a super, super woke crowd. Like maybe my best joke of the night for Mm -hmm. that crowd and I'm so annoyed that these other crowds don't get <laughs> that, that the like absurdity of thinking that they would want to hear a man's experience in. They're like, no, tell me. I want to know what a man yeah, has to exactly. say. Yeah. <laughs> please, would you please? Uh, I, I just kind of just remember the the first one, um, like when the she a midwife. Was there? It was a midwife, yeah. Yeah, when she told us, um, uh, it it wasn't like a life flashing before your eyes kind of thing, but it was like a a possibility. It was like a, a possibilities kind of yeah. flashing before your eyes, because like I don't know. There's I and I kind of was an uncle plus, so like because my everyone else was working, and at, when my niece was a kid. Mm-hmm. Or like a a baby and a toddler. Um, I was the only one that didn't have a job, so I was just a stay at home uncle. Yeah. Um, so I did a lot of raising her. So I got a l- little bit of those experiences, but I don't know. Is it like uh, it's still a really profound loss? Like I don't yeah. I don't know how else to explain it. But um, and then there's um there's was a moment of like okay just be strong for Rachel right now and then I ended up not being able to do that at all <laughs> and she was the one supporting me pussy <laughs> yeah <laughs> there yeah um i i don't know i just uh it was it felt like i was getting punched in the gut yeah me too literally yeah <laughs> No, I think also you have like, I mean, this makes maybe makes sense, but like bounced back from it faster. Like he, 
I, I felt like extreme guilt. Like he would be such a great dad and like he wants to be a dad. And like, I, I just am failing him. Like, I'm like, I can't oh, give yeah. him the thing that he, that we both want really. But like, yeah, he married me not knowing that like, I'm a freaking Venus flytrap that just gobbles up life. <laughs> There's a little lemon uterus. In there. Yeah. I got a lemon and the dealership will not take it back, which is really rude. Uh, but I, out of, you voided the warranty, putting those modifications yeah. on it. And like, I also feel like I do <laughs> my uterus mods. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I also feel like a got lot a of the work on the back. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> a lot of the work is, is mine of like tracking my cycles and knowing like when to do what and taking the tests and having them be negative or having them be positive and then and having the bleeding, you know, all of that stuff. And so I definitely feel like I get burnt out more. And then yeah. he's like, let's keep going. And I'm like, okay, we'll keep going. <laughs> so he's kind of like. Yeah, I feel, I think I feel really intensely, really easily. But then I go back to homeostasis kind of fast. Yeah. Which I, might be a male thing in general, but I don't, don't I can't speak for. stereotype men. <laughs> no, I agree. I think that's like, I think, uh. I think it's also dudes are uh, culturally conditioned and maybe better at, but for sure culturally conditioned to like whatever we're feeling, hide it yeah, mm-hmm. and present as, so like for, you know, this is, I, I had an experience with my wife where we, when we first put an offer on a house, it was, uh, we got outbid by 50 grand and now everyone's having that experience, but that yeah. was unique back then. And uh, we had even bid over, like, asking by a lot, right? And I had told her when we put in the offer, I'm like, we put in the best offer we could possibly. This is, we can't afford the offer we put in. Like, we are going over our maximum. So if we don't get it, you cannot dwell on it because we could not have afforded that house. Yeah. And uh, it got, we got outbid. And literally the next morning she goes, I don't think we're ever going to get a house. And the so we had six months the first month of trying when she had her period she goes i feel like we're never gonna have a kid first month yeah and i was like you gotta be i told her the whole time like leading up three years of leading up to making the decision i was like you have to understand that it might not just like happen right away yeah and she's like no i think it'll happen right away i think we're my yeah i think it's gonna i just have a feeling and then yeah. it didn't, and then it didn't, and then it didn't, and then it didn't. And it's like, yeah, you get into the, like, I have to be like, because we, we will spiral if I, if one of us isn't like yeah. uh, the person, the voice of reason, you know? And I think that that's a real, like, I talked about my ther- this with my therapist a lot, but like, that's a real feeling you get when like you, f- you do all the right things and you fail over and over and over and over and over again. Right. And so, I mean, before our third and fourth losses I was talking to my therapist about it and I was like I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to like hold a pregnancy and like have a kid right. and she's like what evidence do you have and and I was like well I mean all my pretty tests- good evidence yeah, right? well, <laughs> but, like, all of my testing has come back normal like there's t- technically nothing wrong with me um, but now it's like after four it's like I actually have some evidence now that like this might not ever work right but then also like part of me like he's he's a good positive positive teammate to be you know hopeful when i'm like i don't know if it'll ever happen yeah and maybe it will and maybe it won't and that's like a weird a weird spot well and you and so you have have had to like and again by the way first off we can cut any 
part of this out that you want. In fact, that whole uh, abortion thing, I'm really regretting that we we did. We could have done that at the end, and at least on this this because I think this is uh, better and more. Because one thing about this whole process is you don't know how. Like we thought, everyone just got pregnant right away, and yeah. then you find out like, well, a bunch. Some people try for years. Yep, like, they're trying every month for years, years and years. Because my wife would be like, you know, she's like not drinking for that month. You yeah. take like as a woman, there's a lot of like I can do everything the same. I just drink. Yeah. I keep You're like, drinking. I'm doing coke in the bathroom right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, yeah, that's why we name, name my daughter. Uh, I don't say it normally, but it's White Powder is her name. So. <laughs> uh, it was named after the substance she was conceived on. Uh, I've never done coke. By the way, coke and comedy. Bad news right now. Yes, don't know if you're aware. Yeah, not worth it. Holy moly! Uh, if it didn't have a bad rap before in comedy, I know. Jeez. Uh, three <laughs> people don't know. Three comedians died, and one was in critical condition. I think she's okay now. From that's good. Bad coke. Um, comedy. The first place I've no second place I've ever seen cocaine is in comedy, and the third, fourth, I've fifth, never sixth, actually seventh. seen <laughs> that in person. I've never seen it. Yeah, oh, me really? either. Yeah. I'm a wholesome. I, I'm a wholesome girl. I have. Um, I've never done it, but uh, and I'm not just saying that for my sponsor <laughs> or my wife. But <laughs> uh, you had the uh, like a traditional miscarriage, mm-hmm. and then you had the one because we have a friend that had it also, where it's like you have all of the pregnancy symptoms. You're uh, and then there's like a what do they call that shit? Gestational sac. There you go, gestational sack. I was gonna call yeah. it a bag, which is a, a bag, bag a, a baby bag. Um, the shell is there. Baby got bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, in a way, like I think it's similar to like if like a uh, a chicken has a fucking egg with no chicken in it. Yeah, that's yeah. the same kind of. Well, the first miscarriage we had, we were eight. It, I should have been eight weeks, and we went in, and I was measuring like five and a half weeks, and there was a sack. But there was nothing in it. So, oh, gotcha. and the the sack having nothing in it doesn't mean that there was no baby. At that point in the pregnancy, it's just like too small to see. Right. Um, and so, you know, we, we've never seen a heartbeat on the screen. We've never like made it that far. And then the, the second one, I was six weeks and I went in and there was again an empty sack measuring like four right in a half weeks that was a that was an extra slap in the face because like we were in there for that appointment. And like you could just hear other people's ultrasounds, and where you could hear God, the heartbeat. Horrible! Oh, fuck. You could hear it through yeah. the fucking walls. And so, and then here's my midwife, like searching around with the freaking vaginal probe, and like I could see on the screen, I could see like the circle, I could see the sack, and I was like, I don't think there's anything in there. Yeah. And then she was like, We're just gonna have you go to radiology, and like we had to wait like hours and hours to go to radiology, and then hours after that, they were like. You know what she had seen and what I had seen at, at the beginning. She was like, "It's empty. Like it's not viable." So yeah, yeah. They're, they've all been a little bit different. And then the the other two, the third one, I actually got my period, and then I was just feeling weird after the Fourth of July. I was just like feeling super weird, and so I took a test just to be sure, and it was positive. And I was that like, was "I just had my period. Like there's no way that this is good news." Right. Um. And so then it it slowly faded and went away, and and then I got pregnant again the next month. And Wait, I found what do you mean out it slowly faded and went away. Like the positive test went away. So my, my levels were already dropping by the time I had my I had my period. It's not like the like the test doesn't just like it shows positive and then and literally fades. fades. No, no, no. Like you take another test and it's lighter and lighter and lighter. Oh, I see that. Yeah. Makes sense. So that one I was worried was going to be ectopic because that heavy bleeding is a symptom of an ectopic pregnancy in the tube, but that's not what it was. 
And then the, the fourth time I had gotten a positive like four days before my period and it was like getting a little bit darker, like that, you know, the next day you take a test, it's a little bit darker. And then the next day it's like a little bit darker and then my period came. Mm-hmm. So, so those two were like those last two were, were not as intense, I would say, but also like the weight of having like four on me now is the part that, that has felt intense about it. Um, do you remember, I have two, two things before I go. You promised that if you have a kid, you were going to quit comedy. Pinky promise. Is that true? Are you really going to quit comedy? Quit? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Um, if if a unicorn lands in my backyard, will I quit comedy? That That's what that question feels like to me right now, Casey. I understand, <laughs> that. I understand that. I'm just begging for, could you take Richie with you? That's all I want. Just, uh, <laughs> Someone has to support this family. I actually truly can't imagine having two, like if my wife did comedy, how much more difficult doing comedy would be. Yeah. Um. Not to not to try to, I mean, write some material for Richie or vice versa. <laughs> One of us will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> or I mean, actually, it's maybe you just hand the baby off instead of a handshake when you're there when you Richie's go, featuring for you. you know? Yeah. <laughs> um. Just like, hey, hold this. I'm about to. Papa's got to work. <laughs> You like Papa's the one getting the work. Relax, <laughs> relax. <laughs> so, and I, I wanted to tell one story because I don't think we've ever podcasted together, and I've never gotten to tell this story. I meant to tell it at the beginning, to, but it's maybe funny at the end still. Uh, we're done with the miscarriage talk, is uh, except for the miscarriage of justice that took place on a comedy show we did together. I think you know oh, the story. Oh God, yeah. Okay, because this is funny. No, I, I keep wanting to trudge it up because it's so it's very funny to me, genuinely funny, especially now that we get along. Because yeah. I didn't know you very well back then. Yeah. I basically actually don't think I knew you at all. No, back I then. was brand new. I was yeah. brand. Nobody knew me. I was not funny. Yeah. I oh mean, my God. I and the audience that night agreed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The so we did a contest together. And oh. This is why Chase Roper and Nicole Ash Bailey did not talk to me for actual years. Oh wow, that's funny. <laughs> uh, we did a contest together, <laughs> and it was also you may not know this, or you may maybe from the last times I've confronted you on this, you do. Yeah. It was the first time ever <laughs> that my in-laws saw me do comedy. And it's very hard to convince your wife's dad that this yeah. thing that doesn't pay any money is worth spending time away from his daughter. Can we clarify that this was like five years ago? Yeah. Okay. It was a long time ago. It was like five years uh, ago. I, we did a comedy contest and we were in like the preliminary round. And I'm going to tell you it from my perspective and I'd love to hear it from your perspective. All right. Uh, I, we did this contest they're announcing the results, and I get second place. And I was like, oh, well, if I got second, I think I know who got first. Uh, and then they announced your name. <laughs> and f- so this is the story I heard. Who uh, I'm not a big fan of the producer of that show, by the way. But she was very forthcoming with information. <laughs> Apparently, the owners of the bar were like, this is complete bullshit. If that something's wrong, there's no way we could have that be the result of the show. Okay. And uh, what happened was so we do a contest. There was a a text in feature for the voting. There's like 14 people in the audience or something like that. And you have the internet text vote. 
text of over you. You like post it on social media or something, right? And a bunch of people just text because they're your friends. And they don't understand the embarrassment they're going to cause you by supporting you. And so then you win. My in-laws have to watch me take second place to a a set that they don't understand comedy. They're like, oh, so that was better than what you did and nobody liked it. Uh, And uh, they're like trying to be supportive, you know. And uh, (laughs) Days later, we found out that you uh, admitted to your fraud. Yeah, that's okay. My experience was a little bit different than that. I had gone to that competition and I brought Nicole and Chase with me because I was like, we're coming from Olympia. Like, there's extra spots. You should come. And I was brand new to comedy, like months in. Like, I was not funny yet. I was not. I I had friends, but that's it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And during the show, the producer had said, it's text to vote. So, like, have your friends text. Like, text your friends. Have them text. And I... Ha- I didn't know any better. I was like, oh, that's what everyone's going to do. So, like, I'm going to do it, too. I'm going to play the game. And, like, now I know that's fucking embarrassing. That's, like, the most embarrassing thing I've ever done in my life. And I was like, everyone's doing this. I'm just going to text my friends. And so I had texted Jim Stewart Allen. I'm calling. I'm naming names. And he was streaming because he was doing his, like, Oregon Trail stream every day. <laughs> and so on his stream that had probably, like, 100 viewers, he was like, everybody text this to this number so that my friend can win this comedy competition and i didn't even think about it like i had texted a couple friends in real life i was like hey vote for me you know um but he had advertised it on his stream the people watching his streams had voted and then i remember a comedian was there who was not a a good person now uh and he was like you know, like, oh, make sure you text on both your phones. Ha ha ha. Like to vote for yourself. And then I won and it was really fucking awkward. And he came up to me after and he was like, how many phones you got? <laughs> 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 it's like, ah! was, he, was he the person who eventually got second and I got first? I don't know. I had know. to trade gift cards with somebody. Yeah, I returned my gift <laughs> card. I returned yeah. my gift card. And the, the whole ride home with Chase and Nicole. They were like, congrats, I guess. Like, it was so fucking awkward. And I immediately realized my mistake, but it was too late. And so I I messaged the producer and I was like, hey, like, I didn't really win this. Like, I want to, like, return the gift card and I want to, like, you know, give Casey first place retroactively so his in-laws can't see. Uh, (laughs) And she was like, are you sure? Like, don't let anyone dim your sparkle. And I was like, I was not sparkling. That is hilarious because that person had that happen to them would have not would not be talking to you right now. I guarantee it. Yeah. Yeah. I it was bad. It was bad. But I didn't know any better. And it's the cringiest thing I've ever done in comedy. And I want to crawl out of my skin. And I'm happy you brought it up. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, maybe it's the last time I bring it up unless either of us get famous at some No, point. I get it. It's funny now. Like, yeah, be, looking back, funny. knowing that I took that from you, you know what? I'd fucking do it again. <laughs> I would do it again. <laughs> no, it's a, yeah, it's a very funny, like, uh, I actually wasn't even mad because I did advance in yeah. second place, so I didn't care. I try to, like, remove any emotions from any comedy contest because they're 100% of them are just the stupidest and yes. worst yes. shows ever. I think unless you, you win, then they then they're the best. Then they, they mean you're the best. Yeah. <laughs> did you win a show at um? Oh fuck! What's that place called in Maple Valley? Yes. Uh, Imbibe. Imbibe. Yes, yeah. I've so won that one a couple times. That was the one that made me realize not that you won, but like 
when I saw everyone that placed, I was like, oh, there's like a different thing. Were happening. you at that show? I was at, I competed in one. Okay. With uh, the only, if if it's, I just remember because it was the first time I ever met her in person. Her name is Mona Jones now, but it was mm-hmm. Mona Conception, Conception which yeah. it should be Concepcion. Come on, lady. <laughs> Pronounce your maiden name correctly. But, um, so if it was that one, not even that I remember you doing, you specifically doing badly or well, I just remember being like, wow, this is a very one note uh, podium here, you know? Because it was all women? It was all women. Yeah. And I had seen some sets. Yeah. I feel like I earned that one. I feel like I deserved that win. Yeah, I think you're a, yeah. you've become a good comic. I'm not yeah. saying that. I I think uh, you, I don't think you were the glaring political pick on the podium, you know? Yeah, I think that uh, there were some, some men on that show that got a little bit salty. Well, that was me. the one for me, though, that I was like, I can't ever, I'm not doing any contests that I don't care about winning. Because I yeah. would not have cared about winning that. That's what I know about myself. Yeah. Is I would not have been like, oh, I'm so good because I won. Im-. I mean, there was some like very new and not yes. good comics on that yes. show. Um, Any competition where all women will win, Casey doesn't want to do. I just want everyone to know right. that's, that's what right. Casey said. That's Casey right. hates women. If all women won, it was a fluke and Casey's the man, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I have this... I think this might be a after podcast conversation because I, <laughs> I, I have some data to share, but it's very unpopular. Um, okay. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Let's. Uh, you're at Rachel Laundry on Twitter. True. I should have done this at the beginning too. Yes. By the way, that's okay. Mm. Guilty. Yeah. What What are you? Uh, on Instagram <laughs> and Twitter, uh, Richie JF FJ. JF. Two middle names. Juan Franco. Juan Franco, that's exactly it. Good job. Wow. <laughs> it's actually Francisco, not um, Joseph Farron. That's uh, yeah. Wait, Joseph Farron? Yeah. It's is spelled. A, is uh, Farron a Guamanian name or whatever? Yeah, Guamanian. I know. What, I know what's some, your middle name, Casey? Uh, let's let's leave my identity. Is it Joseph? Yeah, it's Joseph. <laughs> um, is it is it Lewis? <laughs> what are the male middle names? <laughs> it's uh, it's David. It's yeah, it's Patrick. all biblical. Frank McLean. Um, <laughs> yeah, I always know those uh, those like Micronesian names when I see them. I've worked <laughs> with a lot of Micronesian folks, so um, they were all convicts as we previously. <laughs> <Good God. laughs> all right, I'm Anthony Casey McLean, and now I'm going to talk about data.